Coming up on this week's episode of Filmology, we are taking a look at a haunted house and taking a look at some of our favorite films that have premiered at the Sundance Film Festival. All that and more coming up on this week's episode of Filmology. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Alright everybody, welcome to the show. I am Jonathan Glorowitz, also known as Johnny G, over at FilmologyShow.com, and I am joined on the show by Mike. Hi. Hey. Uh, Samantha was unable to join us. She is busy watching Sundance Film Festival films, or studying. I'm not sure which, but it's one of those. She's playing among us. Yeah, she's playing among us. Or she's playing Among Us and claiming to study. Great, that's probably what's going on there. Uh, but at the time when you guys are all listening to this show, I can tell you I am buried in Sundance Film, Fest- Sundance Film Festival films. Hopefully that's good. I mean, if you check us out over at filmologyshow.com, which is where this show was hosted, and uh, past written reviews all the way back to 2013. If you go over there and check us out there, you'll see reviews for some of the films at the film festival. Mike, we did talk about a giveaway. I don't know if you remember that. We talked about a giveaway that's going to be up on the site there. We will talk about that at the end of the show, though, so you're going to have to stay all the way to the end of the show to see what that giveaway is going to be. Mike, once again, you cannot win. So I'm sorry. I'm, I know I'm disappointing you there. What else? Uh, I don't believe we have much else going on over at the site right now. Just reviews are going up. It's being, uh, The site's being edited kind of every day. Some new tweaks. So if you go over here and check it out. Uh, some things might look a little bit different. But overall, it's the same site. So that's really cool there. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all Filmology Show. Uh, Starting to use the Twitter and the Facebook. Might go to use the Instagram. We'll see what happens here. Not really sure. Still don't really completely understand the appeal of Instagram, but that's all right. I don't think I'm the target audience for Instagram. Mike, do you have any housekeeping before we continue on with the show? No, no, I don't. Alright, um, so on, on this week's show, we are reviewing a Netflix original film, His House, which did premiere at the Sundance Film Festival, I don't even know the year, this is me doing bad homework, but it originally premiered at the Sundance Film Festival and Netflix bought the film, so we have that, and then obviously with tying into all of our Sundance coverage on the site, we are talking here about our favorite uh, films that have premiered at past uh, Sundance Film Festivals, which, Mike, I, I don't know about you, but when I was looking through my list, there's, uh, looking through the list of films that have premiered at the Sundance Film Festival, there's a lot of amazing films, so it's kind of hard to come up with uh, a set five. Like, if you ask me a week from now, my my uh, top five could easily change. So, as of right now, that's my top five. With all that being said, we're going to roll into our film review. So, here is the trailer for His House. <laughs> Congratulations. You're being released as asylum seekers, not as citizens, not yet. You will be sent to a home of our choosing. You must not move from this address. We are good people. Whether or not you're good people, it's not me that needs convincing. It's a palace. This entire house is just for us. 
going to be nice. You're going to be happy. As long as you can get along, fit in, be one of the good ones. This is our home. A refugee couple makes a harrowing escape from war-torn South Sudan, but then they struggle to adjust to their new life in an English town that has an evil lurking beneath the surface. That is the plot synopsis for His House, which is a Netflix uh, original film that is, once again, I mean, streaming on Netflix. Mike, this was your pick for the show. Uh, why don't you tell our audience why you picked it and give your general thoughts of the film. Uh, so I picked the movie uh, because it was on the banner when you first log into Netflix that shows you like the like a premiere movie, I guess, that they want you to see or a premium movie or whatever they, whatever movie they think I'm going to enjoy and usually cut something new. Um, and I thought it looked interesting and I was like, sure, why not? We'll watch it for the show. Um, I wanted to watch a horror movie anyway. And then uh, I really enjoyed it. I was pleasantly surprised. I didn't really have any expectations going in. Um, it looks like after I looked online that it's got, it has amazing reviews. It has like 100% on Rotten Tomatoes or something like that. So I guess I should just randomly pick things more often. My thoughts were like, yeah, it's fantastic. It was much scarier than I expected. I'm kind of someone who's got a little numb, I think, to the most horror movies. They don't really scare me that often. Uh, but this one uh, definitely was a little scary at times. It wasn't anything new or exciting per se, but it was effective um, for the most part. Towards the end, it, it kind of dragged on because it was kind of mostly the scares. Um, but then they throw in that little extra twist, I suppose. Um, and that it wasn't scary, but it was really kind of it was quite the gut punch. Yeah, it was fantastic. The acting was fantastic as well. If there's a, if there's any Doctor Who fans listening, Matt Smith, who I think was a doctor, am I right there? Yes, Matt Smith was a doctor on uh, Doctor Who. I don't watch Doctor Who. He just looked familiar um, from a Doctor Who thing, um, and the name sounded familiar. Yeah, overall it was fantastic. I really liked it. And I and I agree. Uh... For, for me, this wasn't a film that I actually ever heard of until you mentioned it. I don't really pay attention to what's on the Netflix banners or anything like that, uh, which, which I'll get to here in just a second, but really love this film. I wish I could have seen it in a theater at some point because uh, during the first half of the film when all those scares are happening at the, at the, at the house, they're really effective. And just to have some, you know, actual really nice surround sound... Uh, always helps to add uh, even more uh, dimensions to the terror, which is great. Uh, so I really loved that. Love the fact that it's... Well, I don't want to say that all of the horror is taking place at the uh, the house, or all of the terror. Because it's really not, because you do have that final twist there. I mean, which, I mean, did did you see that coming at all? Or are we correct in saying that it's a twist? It's definitely a twist. I don't really think... They hinted towards it. Yeah, because okay, I, I was looking oh. back, uh, thinking on the film, and there was nothing that was really hinted at that. Uh, but I, I really, I mean, th- th- that's also horrific when you're thinking of it. That, what, that, that act that happens, uh, it's just, makes your skin crawl, and it's just very unnerving. And that's what I think a lot of this film is. It's very unnerving. The tension that's building up, it's just really simplistic, a slow, slow burn horror film, which I think is great. I think an issue that I have is 
a lot of the times with these slow burn horror films, once it gets to the third act and it actually has to pay off on the horror, it kind of goes into, uh, I mean, not CGI, well, yeah, like it kind of goes into CGI land and just brings up a giant monster or has, you know, Satan himself show up. And I'm like, you know what, I really don't need that. Uh, it reminds me of a film, with, oh, I can't. Uh, it reminds me of the film The Witch, which... Uh, did you see that film, Mike? The Vivitch? Yeah, I saw that film. Yeah. Uh, which, th- this is kind of a, like that in many ways. It's a slow burning horror film. But that film, it ends with a definitive answer on was she or witch or not. And, I, and I'm not really a, a fan of that. I kind of like the Im- Im- uh, ambiguity of it. And this film has a lot of ambiguity, so I really like that. With this film, it, it it really is a great slow burn horror film. I, I I I think the reason for me why I, I liked it so much was because the scares are great. There's there, there are jump scares, but that's not the majority of the scares in the film. So I think that's a great uh, standout thing there for this film. And I had no expectations going in, so that that also really helps solidify this as a great horror film. Unlike a whole bunch of other films, um, for, for me, this, is, this isn't a horror film, but I always think of ex- expectations being so high. Uh, I think it was last year, no, two years ago, uh, Booksmart came out, and everyone kept talking about how great the film was, and then I saw it, and I was like, man, this is just a very mediocre film. I, I mean, maybe if I had no expectations, but everyone kept building that, that film up as the, uh, the second coming of the coming-of-age films, and... I didn't, I didn't care for that. But this film here, His House, it is really great. It is... Another thing that I kind of liked about it is it's short. It doesn't overstay its welcome. It gets to the point. It gets to the scares. And it just unsettles you. Now, if, if you're somebody who likes the torture pouring type stuff of Saw and Hostel, you probably won't like this movie. But then you also probably won't like other films that I adore, like It Follows, The Witch, uh, Hereditary, all those kind of films, which I think this film fits right in with. I, I really loved it. I, I really can't find anything to fault with it. But since last week, when we were when we uh, reviewed Outside the Wire, I made the comment that, okay, Outside the Wire, it's not doing anything new to elevate the genre. It's, it's just giving me Terminator again and again and again. Or hints of Terminator again and again and again. Well, this film, it's also not, this film's not really doing anything new with the horror genre either. But I think the fact that it puts in some of these more human elements to it instead of just being uh, the local family down the street. I mean, with them being refugees coming in, well, not not to America here, but to, to Britain... I, I think that adds a different element to it because you you have a whole bunch of different elements going on there. You have the horror that they're dealing with at the house and then you have the horror that they might be going back to if they're told, hey, you have to leave. So I think both those elements combining, going at each other, make this really captivating horror film. Uh, really quick, we were talking about Netflix. For those of you who didn't listen to last week's show or who haven't read any of my reviews over at filmologyshow.com, you'll know that I am very opinionated on the Netflix films. And I think a lot of that is because Netflix really... like I, I, I've talked about how they don't have a quality control. And 
Mike, I don't know how you saw that. You said that this was on your banner. Right now I'm looking at my banner, and it's uh, the White Tiger. That is the, the one thing that's up on the banner for me to watch. But looking at what's on the top ten in the United States today, as of recording this right now, we have Fate, the Winx Saga. Uh, we have the next three days, Bridgerton, Homefront, Night Stalker, Henry Danger, Jenny Rivera, Jenny Rivera, The Vanished, Demon Slayer, and Coco Coco Chameleon. But I mean, I mean, it's it's it's. <laughs> come on, what are people watching on Netflix? I mean, come on, you have great films like this one here, but in my mind, I I, I talk to people all the time who are saying, what can we watch on Netflix? There's nothing good there. We've gone through the entire thing, which I have no clue how you could go through the entire Netflix catalog. Great on you. If you somehow did that, I don't believe you. And when you talk to people and you give them suggestions like this one here, uh, His House, or uh, other things, once again, like the Irishman marriage story, they're like, no, that's not really my kind of thing. I'm like, well, then you're limiting all of this great content on Netflix. And... I know I'm, I'm sounding like a hypocrite because I don't give schlocky movies the, the time of day. But, I mean, obviously, if you listen to this podcast, you look at the site, I do talk about those films, and then we, we do give them their, their, their spotlight. And some of them we do, we have recommended. But I just... I don't know. I, I wish films like this, because films like this, for some reason, never come up for me. I always get these, I mean, I mean, the White Tiger does sound interesting, so I don't want to like say that they're not recommending a good movie to me, but I just, looking through the top ten, I'm like, none of these are things that I would go out of my way to watch. And I, I, I don't know how to fix that other than to just ignore the Netflix top ten, which is usually what I do anyway, because it's not, <laughs> it's not like, yeah, cool, Netflix top ten, that means it's a great thing. No, that just means... That this is the thing that Netflix is advertising the most on their site, on their service. So, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm just Maybe the top tens in advertising. It's just telling you what's the top ten most popular right now. But most of them are like Netflix, uh, Netflix properties. I mean, the number one is the, the the TV show Fate, and then Bridgerton, which Netflix is trying to tell me is their most streamed show ever. I mean, does. Do you believe them when they say Bridgerton's the most streamed show ever on the Netflix service? I know a lot of people who watched it, so I wouldn't be surprised. Honestly. I mean, more so yeah. than, like, The Office or all these other sick of Friends. I know Friends was a huge thing when I came on there. Now, maybe it might be the most streamed original Netflix-made product, but that's, that's not what they're saying. They're saying that this is the most streamed piece of content ever on Netflix. And I re- to be uh, com- in variety is specifies they said that it was original Netflix original most Netflix, most original. Okay. Netflix original okay I just in my mind I remember them coming out when Bright came out and they're like this is the most streamed thing ever on Netflix and it seems like every time they have something that's in the popular zeitgeist which right now uh, Bridgerton is and I still haven't watched it but it, it seems like Netflix is trying to say that it just to create a a uh, a hype, more of a hype train around it, and saying like, "Hey, all of your friends have watched this. You haven't watched it. Get on the train and go watch it." And I, I just, I don't know. I, 
I don't know why I'm complaining about this. It's it's basically the same thing as the box office top ten, which is just trying to say, hey, everyone go out and see this movie because it made a hundred million dollars at the box office. Whatever. I, 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 I digress. We don't really need to talk about this more. Do we? Do you have anything to say about his house? Anything to add to that conversation, Mike? Um. No, I think we covered it. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I really do want to state that this is a great horror film. I do understand that this isn't going to appeal to everybody. Uh, obviously, if you don't like horror films, don't watch it. I mean, there's no reason for you to be like, hey, I, I don't like those kind of things. I want to watch this because it was recommended to me. It, it, don't. We're not trying to make people feel uneasy or anything like that. We're just trying to give good movie recommendations. And I believe, uh, coming up here in the top uh, five... For the show, we will have more movie recommendations. For me, they're not horror-based. So, some great films coming up there. Uh, here at Filmology, we have a rating system. See it, rent it, skip it, let it burn. Let it burn means that everybody involved with that film, from the producers to the caterers, should be put into film purgatory and not be allowed to make a film again for a good long while. Mike, since you picked the film for this week, why don't you tell us what you're giving this film? I think see it. It's one of the better horror movies in it that I've seen in quite some time. Especially probably within the last year, for sure. I can think of it off the top of my head, at least. Yeah, definitely see it. And as I see it as well, I mean, I, is it one of the best horror films ever? I mean, definitely not, but it is, like you said, Mike, one of the best horror films within the past, the, the I don't want to say two, like two or three years, but it, it, it's up along, among the top top of the heap with once again films like hereditary the invisible man it follows all these great films it's up there among them and i just i i can't stress how much i enjoyed this film it's really great acting is really great story is really great and it's it's really a simple film you can understand it even if you, I mean, most of us haven't gone through the situation that these characters have gone through, but we still all have our demons that follow us, that sometimes are self-created demons, but they still follow us. So we can relate to these characters, we can, we can relate to these characters having their demons that are haunting them. So I think that's uh, something we can all relate to. If you agree or disagree with any of your thoughts there on his house, or if you want to tell me how I'm growing about, once again, the Netflix algorithm and top 10, you can always email us at filmologyshow at gmail.com. We will get back to you at our earliest opportunity. Once again, I will be, uh, at the time when you guys are listening to this, I am currently swimming in Netflix films. Netflix. I did it again! We are not having the Netflix Film Festival yet, but... Uh, I'm swimming in Sundance films, so it would take me a little bit longer to get back to some of your emails, but all in good time. We're going to take a quick break here. We're going to play a clip from one of these Netflix films, and we'll see you... I... <laughs> I don't know what we... I keep talking about Netflix, and it keeps coming up. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here. We're going to play a clip from one of these Sundance films, and we'll see you on the other side to, to talk about our top five uh, Sundance Film Festival premieres. We're going to be using aliases on this job. Under no circumstances do I want any one of you to relate to each other by your Christian names. And I don't want any talk about yourself personally. That includes where you've been, your wife's name, where you might have done time, 
where a bank may be robbed in, say, Petersburg. All I want you guys to talk about, if you have to, is what you're gonna do. That should do it. Hear your names. Mr. Brown, Mr. White, Mr. Blonde, Mr. Blue, Mr. Orange, Mr. Pink. Why am I Mr. Pink? All right, we are back now to talk about our top five films that premiered at the Sundance Film Festival. Once again, this, I mean, this was my pick for the, this week's show. I mean, His House premiered at Sundance. All of our coverage right now at filmologyshow.com. It's about the Sundance Film Festival. So we kind of want, you know, synergy with all of our products uh, at Filmology tying into what we're talking about. So, Sundance, I mean... There are so many great films that have premiered at that festival. And I, I I can't get over how many of them I love. I mean, not all of them, obviously, but a good chunk of them I really love. So it was really hard to narrow it down to five. Mike, did you have a hard time narrowing it down to just five? Or I had a little trouble finding like a list of premieres. I saw like a lot of movies that appeared there, but they didn't necessarily premiere there. Because they're not always premieres at Sundance, right? They're not necessarily the first time shown there. Uh, most of right. the most of the time, it's their first time shown there. Sometimes that they might premiere because because usually the way that the the festival circuit goes is Sundance, then sometimes the film could go to Cannes, uh, and then Toronto. I mean that's the usually and it's South by Southwest, but usually South by Southwest has its own premieres at that festival. So usually. Sundance does have its own premieres that uh, films that premiere that uh, usually the films that are shown at Sundance are premieres so that's uh, something really exciting I mean sometimes they might be shown to like industry and stuff like that in LA but usually for the general audience this is the premiere of the film wow well that might change things on my list if I know that um, but my list is still good yeah otherwise would have been a little difficult, more difficult if I realized that I just saw a lot of films that so they're premiered in theaters, and the, I don't know. I was just thrown off by that, I think. I don't really follow the Sundance Film Festival very much, to be honest with you. Um, not enough, like, I would sit down and watch it, like, as many as you are. I usually just, oh, this is a good movie from it. I'll watch that one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, the, the, something that's really kind of interesting about the Sundance Film Festival films, especially, like, their, like, audience, the, the pick for... Uh, they do like the, the the jury awards and then they do an audience choice award. Usually, the big film from the that comes out of that festival that's the audience pick usually like kind of flops at the box office. It's kind of a sad aspect to see that this film that was the herald as like this great film uh, of the festival comes out and John, general audiences just kind of like turn their head and go, "No, we don't want you." Usually they're still great films, it's just uh, they come out at the weirdest times. They come out usually during summer when everyone's like, blockbuster, blockbuster, blockbuster. And then like, in s- this studio's trying to like just hand you something much more smaller and intimate, but usually people don't want that. So that's kind of interesting there, but I'm not, uh, I'm not going to talk about how the, like, the studios t- try to counter-program things, because usually it just doesn't work, but whatever. I'll start us off with, a number five, with my uh, number five pick. My number five pick is Sorry to Bother You. It came out in 2018, directed by Boots Riley. And this is just a great satire. It is a phenomenal one. It just goes for... 
it, it's, it's talking about capitalism. It's talking about racial issues. It's talking about just how our society just values all these materialistic things. And it's such a phenomenal film. It's dark. It's funny. It's it, it's really I I can't get over how great this film is, and it's it's twisted. You are gonna just like there's there's things that happen here at the third act of the film that you're not gonna see coming, and you're gonna be like, what am I watching? This is the most bizarre thing ever, but it totally works. A phenomenal film. Uh, Mike, did you see Sorry to Bother You? I don't think so. It was streaming for the longest time on Hulu, and if it still is, I highly recommend everybody go check it out. So, uh, sorry to bother you, is my number five. Uh, yours is all serious. Uh, my number five, though, is an action comedy kung fu movie, um, The Kung Fu Hustle. I remember watching it way back. It seems like it was a long time ago, which it probably was, but it's hilarious. It's a great movie. Uh, if you like kung fu movies and comedies, I, you'll, it'll probably be one of your favorite movies. It's fantastic. Just go watch it. And this probably shouldn't surprise you, but I haven't seen it, so. I'm not surprised at all. Yeah. I feel like I don't know the year. I feel like I was in high school when I watched it. I want to say, like, for some reason I'm thinking, like, 2005. I was in high school. It is 2004. 2004, so I'm off by one year, but. It's pretty far off. Usually, yeah. Of course, you get to the 90s, less movies you've seen, I've noticed. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I remember this movie coming out, uh, but I, I, yeah, I obviously haven't seen it. My number four pick is a film that we've talked a lot about, but uh, let's, why not, let's just keep talking about it. My number four is Palm Springs. Just a phenomenal comedy, and it's, it has so much heart to it. It's, it's great. I mean, once again, my number one film of 2020, and it just encapsulated that year so well, of how we are all kind of just living the same day over and over again. And how some of us are living our best days and some of us are just reliving these tragedies that we created for ourselves. A phenomenal film. Everybody should check that out. I know that one for sure is streaming on Hulu. So go check it out. Palm Springs, my number four pick. I did not know that premiered at Palm, at the, at the Netflix Film Festival, that you like to call it, as you like to call it. That will be on the list, but not important. My number four list, um, The Blair Rich Project. It's kind of, kind of meme-y, I guess or it turned into quite a meme, but you can't really deny its impact on the horror film genre after it came out. Um, there's definitely a lot of uh, found footage films and things like that directly because we have the Blair Witch Project. And it was legitimately scary when I watched it. And, like, I watched it again a few years ago, and I still really enjoyed it. Like I said, I know it's kind of a joke, but it still kind of holds up. No, I mean, uh, project, uh, the, uh, like a couple of years ago for... When it, Every Halloween we do with 31 Days of Horror over at filmologyshow.com. And this was one of the picks one year was uh, The Blair Witch Project. It was my first time seeing it. I had seen a lot of the ripoffs of Blair Witch Project. And I even saw the, uh, oh, whenever it came out, 2016, 2015, uh, the movie just Blair Witch. Saw that. Uh, but nothing holds a candle to The Blair Witch Project. The simplicity of the film is what gives it the most scares. It is really terrifying and the fact that uh, they tried to do so many different things to make it be um, an authentic experience to make everybody think that this was real, that this actually happened, from tie-in books, video games, a whole fake website. I mean, they went whole hog into making everybody feel this was a real event. Uh, not only a movie event, but an actual event that occurred. 
So I think that was something that was really exciting about this film. It didn't make my list, but it was definitely on my short list. So a really phenomenal horror film there. My number three. It's a film that I know a lot of people don't like, but I really do. Uh, it's Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. It came out in 2015. This is one of those films that I was talking about that a lot of people at the film festival liked, and then it came out and it just tanked. Uh, it opened, I believe, the same day as... Terminator Genesis, at least in its wide release. And of course, Terminator Genesis, I mean, they didn't flop, but it was kind of a mediocre hit. And this one just bombed. Uh, it is such, I mean, as somebody who uh, obviously film is a passion of mine, I went to school for film, I'm here talking about film. Uh, it, it's just something I love. And the characters in this film, they, they, I mean, they make films. I mean, <laughs> I, they're great. I mean, some of them are great. Some of them are terrible. It's but there's so much heart and passion put into those things uh, that they're making that you can't just help but admire what they're doing. You put in the whole drama here with uh, the main female, the main actress. I can't uh, can't think of her name. You have uh, the the main girl here, who uh, obviously the dying girl, and she's dying of leukemia, and. It's, I mean, it's a gut punch of a film. It's, it's just, it feels really authentic to me. And I know a lot of people have said, well, what's the point of this film? It doesn't offer a lot. It's just a very, I mean, you know what, you know what's going to happen. You read the title and you're like, cool, that's what happens. I'm like, no, nah, but there's so much more to it. And I, 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 people have called me shallow for liking this film. I'm sorry. I really do. It's a great film. Uh, me and Errol, the dying girl, number three. Uh, my number three is one of the movies we talked about earlier. Uh, I keep calling it the Vivich just because that's how they write it on things, and it's annoying. Um, and that's my way to fight back against it. But The Witch, I uh, really enjoyed the performance from Anya Taylor-Joy. Joy Taylor. Anya Taylor-Joy. Right. Taylor-Joy, sorry. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I think you said you did like the ending of it? I don't remember. Uh, I mean... <laughs> It's one of those things I've kind of gone back and forth on. If if I remember, I mean, it's I've only seen the film once, so if I'm remembering correctly, like you see her going to this covenant of witches, and like you see her kind of just floating at the end. If I remember correctly, I think that's the last shot, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't like that. I I, I like the ambiguity of it with kind of her just talking to Black Philip, and if it just would have ended there, I'd have been happy. But then you see her, uh, you see her declothe and just walk through the woods. And it's just, I mean, it's it makes you feel uneasy, yes, but what, but giving it the definitive, yes, she is a witch, I'm not really a fan of that. I really like the ambiguity of what's actually going on with this entire film versus giving me a set-in-stone answer. But I st still love the film. I just, uh, it, it went from being a perfect film to being a three-and-a-half-star film. So, I mean... That's fair. I, I, it might be the first... Um movie that I saw Anna Taylor-Joy in as well. I was looking over her filmography, um, so that's, that's good as well. I don't know, something I pointed out. Yeah, otherwise, it's uh, fantastic. I'm sure pretty much everyone who listens to a movie podcast has already seen it, so go watch it again. So this was one of those films, The Witch, that I saw in theaters, and I remember very clearly there being a sign, uh, I believe this was on a car mic, uh, when you walked up to the kitchen ticket, there was a sign saying that there were no refunds for The Witch. Because so many people were wanting a great horror film. And then, uh, sadly, the people uh, who usually go to, uh, to horror films are, you know, teenagers who don't want these slow burn, uh, 
slow burn horror films. They want blood, they want sex, they want just torture, and that's not what this film is. And it's such a great film. I, yeah, The Witch, I once again, made my short list. There's a whole bunch of films that made my short list. And as you can tell, Sundance has had some great horror films. Uh, and even more that didn't make my list, and maybe they made yours, but we'll see. My next pick here comes from a director who, like, this is his best film. Sadly, he's made some other okay films, but nothing has ever compared to this film, his first film. And that is 500 Days of Summer. It is just a great deconstruction of romantic comedies. And as somebody who really does like a good romantic comedy, it it hits all my sweet spots. Uh, The chemistry between uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Zoe Deschanel is phenomenal. And... It's great. I, 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 I love uh, the the two sequences of when I mean Joseph Gordon Levitt. He just has he just had sex with Summer, and he's walking through. I think it's Central Park, and he's thinking they're playing the that that song. Uh, you make my dreams come true, and everyone's dancing, everyone's happy, and then I, I can't. I don't think they broke up, but they're in a fight, and he's walking through the same park, and everyone just is like. It's just the worst day ever. Or at least that's how it seems to be. And I mean that, that encapsulates uh, feelings that we all go through with relationships. And I think that's really great. So uh, 500 Days of Summer. If you haven't seen it, it is a phenomenal film. I keep saying that all my films are phenomenal. But really, I do believe that they are. So check out 500 Days of Summer. Uh, the only thing I didn't like about the movie, um, I felt like that's when people around me started saying Manic Pixie Dream Girl constantly. And that drove me insane. Like, I understand the trope and everything's kind of annoying, but, like, everyone talking about it drove me nuts. Like, I didn't mind it in the movie itself. Like, I understand the trope and everything. It's fine. Like, not super worth but, but, but it. But, I mean, can, can't we at least say that this is, like... I mean, that's the whole point. This is, like, a deconstruction of the, those tropes and topics. So, for this film, I think that works. I do understand why people are saying that with a lot of other films. I mean, I, I, I get it. And I, I do... <laughs> that was the first time I ever heard that term. So, it was... When people were talking about 500 Days of Summer. It's it's a trope I really don't hear. Uh, trope insane. I don't really see much or hear much of anymore. So that's kind of interesting. I'd have to... I feel like that was the height of the people talking about the trope, at least. I'm sure there's plenty of Mad Pixie Dream Girls movies still coming out. Um, and stuff like that. I don't know. I, it's the first thing that comes to my mind now because of that movie. Just because every time... Uh, talk about it to someone, they bring it up constantly, and I'm like, okay, I get it. Jesus, you've you've read an internet web page. I got it. No, it drove me nuts. That's all I have to say. Sorry. Otherwise, I love the movie. Joseph Gordon Love it. It's always fantastic, and Zoe Deschanel was fantastic. Like you said, they had great chemistry. And I, 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 I I'm sorry. Just just think about the film right now. I every time I don't know like every every time I walk into an IKEA, I keep think, playing those that scene in my head of when they're going through and just just once again the chemistry of them when they're like playing house i guess in in ikea and it's it's just a great scene and every time i walk into ikea i think of that scene and it's just it makes me happy to be at ikea which isn't usually a place i'd be happy to be at so i've only been to ikea once completely forgot about that scene until just now maybe next time i'll go i'll think about it all right mike you're number two um my number two is Get Out. Um, I think we've talked about this movie quite a bit, and obviously it's relatively new, so people know about it. Um, it's just a fantastic horror movie that has a lot of social commentary that was very, that it still is very um, important and needs to be said. No, it's it's one of those films that I mean, 
Jordan Peele just tapped into something there, and it's it seems to be more and more relevant each and every day, and which is terrifying. I mean, that's that's that helps to add to the horror there is how relevant this is. Uh, this was a film that was really hard for me to see, not because like I mean the subject matter is tough and, and you have to do a lot of self reflection with the film, but I tried to see it twice, and the power went out both time the first two times I tried to see it at the theater, and it was just like. A, someone up the heavens were telling me that I wasn't meant to see this film uh, but then eventually I did finally see it and I, I, I loved it it just took a little bit longer than I had wished I, I mentioned this before Mike when you're when your headphones lost power but Sundance has such a great track record with horror films I, I can't get over how many strong horror films have come out of the, uh, the I keep wanting to say Netflix Film Festival the Sundance 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 Film Festival um it, it was really hard for me to leave these films off my list because I do like horror films, but sadly, as we'll get to it with my number one, I, I like, I guess, romantic dramas more. So my number one is The Big Sick. I loved this film so much. It is one of the most funny, authentic, heart-wrenching, just laughing till you cry films. Uh, Camille Nanjiani is fantastic, and it's... I can't, I loved it. I love this film. And when I show this film to people and they come back to me and they're like, yeah, we didn't like it. I'm like, no, okay, you have no taste at that point. I'm just, if you don't like this film, or if you don't even get chuckles from this film, you don't have taste in like what a good romantic drama is, romantic comedy. That This is phenomenal. And it's it's just, I can't get over how amazing this film is. Uh, Mike, have you seen The Big Sick? I don't think I did. I think I kept meaning to watch it. It's on my Amazon Prime list thing, or whatever they call theirs. I don't know. Um, I just yep, it is on Amazon Prime. I, I just meant, like, Netflix has my list. I don't remember what um, Amazon Prime yeah, is it's called. Anyway, um, I just don't think I ever got around to it. Maybe I'll watch it one of these days. Yep, I, I saw I saw it uh, three times in the theater. Really liked it. Bought it the day it came out on uh, DVD and Blu-ray. And I, mean, I proudly, I mean, I always say this every show. I, I seem to pick a movie that's proudly on my shelf, but it's proudly on my shelf, and I love it. I mean, it's it's a, I can't get over how much I love this film. And sadly, um, only bad part is uh, Camille Nanjiani and his wife, who obviously uh, was the inspiration here for the the, the film, both of them. Uh, they went on to write another film, which was just bad, which was The Lovebirds. So hopefully they can come out with another great romantic uh, comedy or dramedy uh, like The Big Sick and not just give me mediocre rom-com with The Lovebirds. Uh, but The Big Sick, really great. Check it out. Uh, my number one is the neo-noir film Brick, which I first watched, like I think, in college. And it's fantastic. I absolutely love it. Um... Have you seen it, John? Of course I've seen it. I mean, this is Ryan Johnson's, like... I, I, I don't want to call it a masterpiece, because for me, every film he's made has been really great. But yeah, yeah I'll let you talk about it. Okay. I don't know. It's, it's, it's getting pretty close to the 1990s, so I wasn't sure if you're going to have watched it or not. Um, but what was I going to say? Oh, I, lo I love, like, noir films, neo-noir films. And this kind of struck a chord with me. It might be one of the first I've actually watched. Um, but Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and on his pursuit to find his either his girlfriend or his ex-girlfriend, um, and trying to find out how to solve her murder and everything was absolutely fantastic. The characters he runs into and their interactions are fantastic. Everything about it is absolutely lovely. Um, and when I found out Ryan Johnson was going to make one of the Star Wars movies, I was super excited. 
and Last Jedi is one of my favorites, so it turned out well. No, I mean that that's I mean Ryan Johnson has a great knack for genre filmmaking. And the thing is that the I really like enjoy is that he can just tackle so many different genres. I mean you have Brick, you have the Brothers Bloom, you have The Last Jedi, and you have Knives Out. I mean you just look at those films, those four films, and they are all I mean, I don't want to say Brothers Bloom is fin- the Brothers Bloom is phenomenal, but I think those other three films are phenomenal films. And I know that's going to ruffle a lot of people's feathers. I'm saying The Last Jedi is a phenomenal film, but it really is. And I just... This was a film that, once again, was hard to leave off my list because it was so good. And it, it is that the neo-noir film. I mean, if you're doing, like, a film noir class, I mean, Brick has to be in that, like, lexicon that you go through. And uh, this came out, by the way, in 2005. So I believe, I, I really think that we can say 2005 is the year that I started to really like, pay attention to film. Uh, so uh, Kung Fu Hustle, once again, 2004, may just missed the list. But uh, no, uh, in, you saw uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt in uh, 10 Things I Hate About You, by the way. So that came out well before Brick. But Me? I did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you yeah, yeah, did. Yeah, you're talking about you. I was pointing to you because you said you hadn't seen Joseph Gordon-Levitt before, and you, you oh, haven't seen him. I meant to say I haven't seen like a near noir film before. I think that was my first one. No, I, I know I had seen like Double Indemnity before this, and I mean a Blade Runner many times before this. But yeah, either either way, I mean Brick's phenomenal, and now that we're kind of here, just. Just making me even think about it makes me. It's making me want to go bring out. Uh, I still have it on uh, DVD because uh, they they did they finally released a Blu-ray. I think last year or the year before, but it's one of those you know print-on-demand services. So it's a little more of a. It's it's more a little more expensive than uh, the five dollars I paid for the, the DVD, uh, but yeah. Uh, did Did you have any other like? Honorable mentions. I mean, there's probably a lot that you can mention for your your list here. I I think a lot of people are probably gonna be upset that we didn't mention like Reservoir Dogs, which I know is like a, a big film, or Clerks. I mean, Sex Lies and Videotape. I mean, those three films kind of like brought up around this whole new independent film movement. And uh, sadly, I I just personally feel that the films that they uh, that came out of that movement are better than the films that started the movement. I, I was never really a big fan of Clerks, to be honest. I haven't watched it since I was a kid, though, so I don't know about that. Um, what was the other one? Sex, Lies, and Videotapes. I remember watching it. I don't remember the movie, though. I don't remember what the third one you said was. Uh, but Reservoir Dogs. Quentin Tarantino. Not a fan. Yep. You're not a fan? Wait, you're not a fan of Quentin Tarantino? No, we've talked about this before. Okay, well now, now I for sure have to find a Quentin Tarantino film at some point to review on the show here because, uh, I I mean I'm not, I'm not a fan of all of his films. And, yeah, we talked about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's what you're referring to. But uh, I mean I mean for me I like I loved uh, Inglorious Bastards, uh, Django Unchained. The Hateful Eight. I mean, The Hateful Eight for me is actually a film that I was kind of I don't want to say lukewarm on when I first saw it, but I was I was I was just I was just like yeah that's good. I, I've come around to loving that film. It's really weird, but uh, I I need to still watch the the Netflix version where they break it up into like episodes. I have to get to that at some point. 
But uh, eventually we will do a Quentin Tarantino episode. We will we will we will do that at some point. Cuz I think that that deserves to be talked about. Uh, honorable mentions for me, a film that we reviewed and I think we all liked uh, like crazy. I mean, do you do you remember? Like, do you remember talking about that film, Mike? Uh, what was that one again? I'm confusing it with the Stephen Carell movie. Steve Carell movie. No, that's Crazy Stupid Love. Uh, yeah. This is like crazy. A- a- Anton Yelchin, Felicity Jones. Oh yeah, I like that one. That was really good. Yeah. Uh, a promising young woman, Hereditary, Boyhood, Won't You Be My Neighbor. I'll just stop by honorable mentions there because then technically I did. did <gasps> excuse me, because technically I did ten then. So. Yeah, I, I I had to somewhat cheat to get some more films out there, but uh, yeah, your your list. I mean, you gave me some stuff to uh, watch. I mean, with Kung Fu Hustle, and you gave me some stuff to go back and rewatch. I mean, The Witch, Get Out, Brick. I mean, Blair Witch Project is good, but sadly doesn't have as much to offer as those other three horror films. Um, yeah, I I I don't know if you listened to our our show, Mike, but at the end of when Samantha and I did our. T- films that we're really anticipating at the Sundance Festival this year is, that's going on right now, uh, not, the film Knocking just kind of stood out to us as a film. It, it's not going to be like a high-concept horror film, but it still seems like a really good horror film. And actually, uh, I, I don't know when the, when the film's premiered, so you guys, when you're listening to this, it might already be out. There might be a review up on the site, or it's still coming. I don't really know, because I don't have that calendar in front of me, but really excited to... To check out some good Netflix film. Uh, Netflix. Sundance. Oh, we just need to do this Netflix film festival. We just need to hunker down and do it. Because then it might be out of my system. But I think you're going to need to talk um, to Netflix about that. <laughs> uh, but they, they'd probably love to do a festival. Uh, but yeah. Uh, next week's show. We are going to be taking a look, uh, Samantha and I are going to be taking a look at the 2021 Sundance Film Festival. Mike is getting that show off. So we will be breaking down our favorite films, our least favorite films. Samantha is so excited to talk to you all about the shorts. And I will hopefully be excited to talk about the shorts. Shorts are usually good. Maybe not the best parts of the festival like she thinks they are, but they're usually still pretty good. Uh, and then in, in two weeks, so the after that show, the, the 2021 Sundance Film Festival, uh, we're going to be for sure taking a look at The Little Things, and our top five for that week's show will be top five Denzel Washington movies. So if you guys need to brush up on some of your Denzel films, now's the t- time to do that. In two weeks, we'll be talking about th- his best films, which I, I, I need to catch up on some homework there. Uh, maybe rewatching some films as well because uh, I know something like Fences was a film that I probably wasn't in the best mindset to see when I first saw it, and I need to go back and take a look at that film. Uh, but I, I think that Denzel's done some great films from you know you got your dramas, you got your action films, I and mean, he's done a, a lot of different genres, which I think is good, uh, showing a lot of different range there as well. Mike, we haven't talked about that giveaway. Nope. So, that giveaway, you're going to win, there's, there's going to be two prizes. There's going to be a first place and a second place. And it's really simple. All you have to do is go on to filmologyshow.com, go to giveaways, click that giveaways uh, tab at, at the top. It will take you to the giveaways page, which for the first place winner, we are giving away a, a Blu-ray copy of Brick and of... 
the big six. So my number one pick and Mike's number one pick for the Sundance Film Festival are films. So you get a Blu-ray copy of both. For second place, however, you don't get either of those films. You get a Blu-ray copy of Like Crazy, which was a film we all liked here at Filmology. So you'll get that. You just have to go there. You have to click giveaways. It's going to bring up a little form. All you have to do is answer a question uh, and put in your email address. And we will email you and tell everybody here on the show that you won. And you'll get your movies uh, sent out to you as soon as we announce that. We're going to keep this contest open, though, for one month. So by the time this is up... So this is coming up here... uh, it's not February when you guys are listening to this. We're going to keep this all the way up till February 28th. So you have the whole month of February to go and enter. You can only enter one time. We will catch that if you enter more than once. Uh, so just keep that in mind. We'll talk about this on every show that we do. But if you guys want some great films, I mean, the once again, first place, you get Brick and The Big Sick. And for second place, you get Like Crazy. All three great films. So even if you get second place and you only get one movie, you're still getting a phenomenal film. So, that's that. That's only the first of many giveaways coming up this year at filmologyshow.com, so just keep that in mind. Uh, Not every giveaway is going to be for movies. Some of it might be for books. Some of it might be for, you know, a Pop Funko that is just coming out that's tied into a movie. Who knows? Uh, I know that we are looking at doing some giveaways for uh, Godzilla vs. King Kong, so that's coming up. But that's all I got. So, Mike, do you have anything to say before we... Kick it down the road? Nope, I'm good. Good? All right. So make sure you check us out at filmologyshow.com for that giveaway and just to check out past written reviews all the way back to 2013. Also, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all Filmology Show. That's going to do it for this week, guys. Enjoy your week in film, and we'll see you next week. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby.